This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently and we get to know them in a different way. This is unlike any podcast we've ever done. Today, I've got Brian Clapp from Work and Sports on the Business Done Differently podcast. About a month ago, I was on his show and immediately started receiving questions from people asking about how to work in sports. So today, we're doing a collaboration, Brian Clapp and myself, talking about ways to work in sports and how to think differently about getting a job. This is a crazy one. I get awfully fired up, but I hope you enjoy. All right, we are here in our first collaboration, Business Done Differently and Work in Sports with Brian Clapp. Brian, how are you doing, my man? Jesse, I'm doing awesome, and this is this is fun. This is exciting. We, we You and I did a podcast together about a month ago, and we had so much fun, and we had such a great response level that this is just a, a nice thing for us to do, a point a part two. Yes, exactly. And as soon as we did that, that show, immediately it went live, and I started getting emails from questions from people trying to work in sports. So I was like, all right, I got to reach out to you, Brian. You have a, a great reach, and we got to answer some of these questions because uh, they got me a little fired up, I got to be honest. I love this idea, just this idea that uh, people listened to the podcast, had direct questions for you, reached out to you, and then you came to me and were like, all right, we should do something with this. We've got all these questions. These are things people want to know. Let's dig into it. And Perfect. so I think it's great. Perfect. And, and the one thing you know from both me and Brian, if you listen to the show and work in sports, uh, we, both, <laughs> we both don't hold back at all. So we're going to be a very strong opinion on these questions, and uh, we're going to have fun. So Brian, if you want to get it rocking and rolling, we'll go through some of these questions that were sent to us after your podcast released uh, about a month ago. Great. So I'll ask you the first question. I'll pretend like I'm one of the people that emailed you. Perfect. Question number one. Jesse, in your personal opinion, is a master's degree in sports marketing or sales worth the investment? And if not, how or where do you feel an individual would best gain the experience? All right. I'm going to lose every college professor here right now. Uh, but as far as master's degrees, you get your master's degree with experience, and I've seen this firsthand. We've had numerous people join our organization you know, with the Savannah Bananas, and we had one person who actually started their master's, and they said all they were learning was just theories and theories and theories. And within two months, he said, I learned more in a couple days actually practicing what we're doing and trying it out and experimenting. So he stopped. He left his master's program, and he said he's learned more you know, in a few months than doing that. So I think everyone thinks you know, more education, more education, but you're delaying the opportunity to actually get real-world experience. And I'm not going to take it away because you know, I, I just got a regular education, didn't go get my master's, but the reality is – you need to start learning in the real world how you can get better and improve and what works. When you're just learning theories, you don't necessarily are in it. You're in the weeds learning. So I am a strong opponent on saying, forget the master's degree. Go work for someone who actually knows what they're doing. Work for a sports team that's good at what they do. Don't just try to get an internship with a team that's in your area. Go work for someone that's killing it, that's doing well, that's selling out games, that's great at marketing. That's where you learn. So, Brian, what are your thoughts on that? I, so th there's going to become questions where we don't agree. I'm sure this will happen, but this is one we definitely agree on. 
so I do not have a master's degree and I started out my career right out of college working at CNN Sports Illustrated and everyone that I worked with, nobody really had master's degrees. Uh, we all got, I, I felt like being there and in the thick of things and gaining experience, that was my master's degree. That was my high level experience. And every person I've talked to, uh, when I interview people in the sports industry, VPs, CEOs, whoever, none of them say, oh yeah, we really look for a master's degree. That's not really an expectation. And I think in some industries, a master's degree may be a benefit. I do not find that to be the case in the sports industry. There is not this need for that higher level of, of uh, education necessarily. I will say there's one sector that it can be helpful. If you want to work in college athletics and you want to be an athletic director or if you want to be in, in some of those realms, I will say college athletic pro, uh, programs do look for a master's degree. So that's one place, yep. one very specific sliver of the sports industry where there is a possible need for a master's. And if that's the way you want to go, that works. But if you want to work for a team or if you want to work for uh, sports media or if you want to work in sales or marketing or things of that nature, I don't think it's necessary. I really don't. But I want to jump on that. I think that's actually wrong to an extent. To work in, in, in colleges, you got to have a master's because I give an example we have someone on our staff that really uh, in four or five years they want to work for an SEC school and they said the only way that they can work for that SEC school is if they get their master's and yeah. they're making that kind of a requirement and I understand you're teaching so you need to but the reality is it's, it's experience if someone is the best director of operations in the country and they've been running events for hundreds of thousands of people but you can't go do that for the SEC because you don't have your master's to me that's wrong I think it's ludicrous. I agree with you. I, just, uh, that's just, I was just pointing out the fact that that is something that they look for. Yeah. I will say this. When I've been hiring in the past, I've, I never look at somebody's GPA or what they did in college or any – I mean I look at internships. I look at where they got experience. I look at what they've done. I want to see metrics. I want to see something that says, yeah. you know, when I came on, I, I increased sales 22 percent or I want to see like you were a change agent and you made things happen in the real world, yeah. not that you, you know, had an extra paper in mass media law or something of that nature. Uh, uh, I'd rather see experience mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. But I will say, whether we agree or not, we do agree. But when we, it's it, the, the the college athletic programs for some reason have it in their head that they want master's degrees. So if that's where you want to head, that might be worth considering. Yeah. The reality is, gain the best experience. Some of the best advice I ever received was from uh, Brian Chesky. He's the founder of Airbnb. Oh, I thought you were going to say me. Yes. You said yes. Brian. From Brian Clapp. The best advice ever. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Maybe they'll end in the show. But Brian Chesky, the founder of Airbnb, Airbnb, he said when he was trying to learn anything, when he was growing the business, which Airbnb is one of the biggest businesses in the world, he said, I need to go to the source. So if he's hiring, where did he learn? He wanted to go to uh, you know, uh, agents, like literally sports agents on how they're getting the best players to work for them. So he goes to the source to learn anything. If he's learning about entertainment, you know, he wanted to learn Cirque Soleil. He wanted to learn from uh, Apple on how to do you know, the website and the interaction and Amazon. So go to the source. And I think that's so important where when you actually get a master's degree, you may not be going to the source. You're going to theories, which I think a lot of times could be antiquated. They're not updated. They're not new. Go to the, if you want to be the best marketer, go to the sports team that does the best marketing in the country and work for them for free. That's where you can learn more in probably two, three, four months there than you could anywhere else. And that's, that's my personal opinion. And we, we can move from there. But, Brian, you can see I get fired up when I guess ask that question because the reality is you're going to go have debt. You're going to have student loan debt for yeah. years, for years. 
because of these theories as opposed to actually go learning and practicing things. So well, all right. I agree. And I think a lot of people use the master's degree idea as a delay tactic almost. Yes. Like they're not ready after they get their undergrad degree. Mm -hmm. They're not they don't feel like they're ready to just jump in. So oh, I'll go get my master's. It almost becomes like a, a crutch. <laughs> like, oh, I'll just go I'll go get smarter. And really, <laughs> if you jump out there and get a job and start gaining real experience, mm -hmm. you're gonna find you learn faster and better without the debt load that you talked about. And uh, you're gonna be more you're gonna be more ready in four years or two years to make that next step in your career rather than graduating with a master's in debt and then starting over again. So this uh, program today will not be sponsored by any colleges or master programs. We can officially I know, say right? that. Yeah. <laughs> right, I'm, ask, I'm, I'm gonna ask you a question, Brian. I wanna go, this question we got asked, what advice can you share around networking in the sports world? Right, so um, I, I will be the first to admit, and this might come as a surprise to people since you and I, I mean, I come off as very outgoing and I come off as very um, uh, extroverted, I guess you would say. But when it comes to networking, it's never been my thing. I'm not that great at it, but I do uh, value the the importance of it. I do realize that getting to know people and getting your face out there and getting your brand out there is super important. It's just never been something I'm all that comfortable with. I'm not a good like cold caller conversation person where I can just walk up and say, hey, how are you? What's going on? Well, who are you? You know, just never been my thing. But um, I think it's extremely important. And I think that if people are um, looking to build their brand, the more that they can get out there and be a, be out there in, uh, in conferences or in places where sports people congregate and get to know people in the industry, both on a local and in, uh, a broader level, I think it helps. I think it's important. I tended to go about the route of um, I would try to get the best internships or best volunteer experiences yeah. that I could, and that's how I would get to know people with through, was through my performance rather than a, like a networking mixer kind of thing, mm -hmm. and that always worked better for me. So I think if you're going to be the networking type, you have to know your own personality as well. Yeah. If you are very comfortable going up and talking to people, then conferences may be great for you. Maybe it's somewhere you can go that you can get into a sports business conference and, and really get to know other people out there. But if, if that's not your thing, I would lean into performance in internships and volunteering and going, you know, if there's a road race in town that you can volunteer at, you're gonna to get to know people in the business world that way yeah. or there's a minor league team or whatever um, you're going to get to know people and network in that way so it's kind of knowing who you are and how you fit in too what do yeah. you think Jess? No 100% I, I think it's very easy for me to say as I'm this you know animated you know outspoken energetic definitely extroverted person to say networking is extremely valuable but I will say this if you can ask some of the people that have really been successful in sports in business they all say the same thing that they had to come out of their shell they had to be comfortable being uncomfortable and they had to get out there and they forced themselves through that. And when you have your greatest growth in business and in life and sports, you are putting yourself in some place where you're not comfortable. And if that, if you're that intro, introvert, you need to kind of find a way, I'm gonna force myself to get out there and network. Because the reality is, if you're not learning from more people, if you're not asking more questions, then, you, then you're not growing. And so a personal example was when I first joined the industry, I was 23 years old. I knew nothing about the sports industry, but I found out that one of my mentors, um, Bill Beck and Mike Veck, and were hosting this conference. Bill had, had passed away, but his son Mike Veck was hosting the Veck conference in uh, 2007. And immediately I said, you know what? I got to go to that and learn. And I remember I took 27 pages of notes on a two-day seminar. And I was blown away. And I went up to Mike and said, Mike, what can we do? We're a part of this team in Gastonia that's failing. Literally, no one's coming to the games. And he gave me advice, this little impressionable 23-year-old. 
And then a few years later, I went to the minor league promotional seminar as a college summer team and just started asking more questions. And it was that that I really learned tremendous. And, you know, I went to the minor league promo seminar for a few years later after that and ended up not taking any more notes because I, I, I didn't get as much as I did the first few years. But when you're starting to try to get into something, jump in. And it is much uncomfortable it is. You got to do that. And for networking, I believe 100%, if you want to get the best opportunity, you need to meet more people. You need to know more people, even if it's a little bit of painful. Yeah, and I would add too, I think one of the best things you can be early on, especially in your career, and actually forever, is to be curious. Mm. And I think you ask good questions when you're curious. Yes. I think you inquire and you poke and you prod and you question things. And so I remember I went to a conference a couple years ago. It was the Sports Industry Networking Conference, mm -hmm. which is funny considering that I just said I don't really love networking. <laughs> um, but it was in Washington, D.C. And uh, one of the speakers was the editor-in-chief for SB Nation. And he started talking about you know their approach to journalism, whatever. And this felt like it was in my comfort zone. And so I started poking and prodding and yeah. asking questions. And that just felt like you know, the more curious you are and you want to know how somebody else is uh, approaching their, their technique or their, their however they do their business, and the more you can ask questions and even be contradictory at times, the more you can get uh, out of each learning experience too. Uh, so just, I think being curious is so important. I think that can lend itself into naturally networking if you start to ask questions and be curious. Definitely. And I want to go one more thing on this. I think this is really good for anyone who's trying to work in sports. Uh, six years ago, I sent an email to Mark Cuban. Within 15 minutes, he responded to an really? email. Yes. Right. People don't know that. Um, Simon Sinek, who I look up to more than anything, I sent him a thank you letter. A month later, I got a phone call from Simon. Ken Blanchard, who I look up to more than anything, who's written every great book from Raving Fans, Whale Done, The Secret, reached out to him. He sent me a thank you letter with books and then called me a month later. I'm not trying to do this to be boastful or brag. The reality is so few people actually reach out to these people that you think are invincible. Um, I get asked very few questions, and I think if I can ask more people more questions, people want to help. The people that yeah. are successful, they serve so much. They're focused on serving others that if you're someone that has questions for them, almost all the time, they're going to find a way to answer. And the people that are really focused on serving. So I would, I would challenge anyone who's trying to work in sports, don't be afraid to email that person you think will never, ever respond to you. Or even better, send a thank you letter to them. And that's how okay, you can Okay, I was just going to ask you that. I was just going to go off script a bit yeah. and ask you something yes. because I've said for a long time, everybody sends emails. Mm -hmm. If you want to be different, write a handwritten card or something, a thank you card or whatever. 100%. And I've said that for a long time and I very rarely have received handwritten cards. <laughs> unbelievable. And after you and I did our interview, you sent me a handwritten card and I thought to myself, okay, Jesse and I are very similar in the way we approach this. How much difference do you think it makes to show that extra level of attention, doing a handwritten card, a little thank you note or whatever it may be, versus just sending out an email which can be dismissed a little easier? It's a game changer. And I'll tell everyone to check out, if you haven't listened to it, uh, episode 105, Emily, my wife and I uh, talk on business done differently, the thank you experiment. And that's something that I started in 2005. Long story short, uh, I focus, we focus on one word every year. Most New Year's resolutions fail. So the one book uh, was called One Word, and you focus on one word. And my word for the year was care. And I said, if I'm going to do care, I need to do something tangible. So I said, every morning, I'm going to wake up and write a handwritten thank you letter to this one person. And I wrote down my list. I had about 100 people. And I was like, wow, this is going to be tough. I got 365. But every day, I focused on who could I write a thank you letter. So I did it for the whole year, and I didn't stop. And now I'm up to about 600. And my point is, it's, it's taught me how to think about gratitude and understand that how far that goes. Because when I get a thank you letter from someone, it blows me away. And I hope that that can also do that to them. So uh, thank you letters are amazing. Another tip I'll say, instead of sending emails, 
Do a quick video. I've started doing this a little bit. Grab your, grab your phone and do a quick video. Hey, I absolutely love, thanks for the time and answering my questions. I appreciate you so much. And just a video and send that in the email and say, hey, here's my quick thank you video. That's different than an email as well. So how can you stand out what's different? I think that's important is to how can you stand out? I, it, it, every, if you look at the world in, in cycles, like um, everybody does the same thing after a little while. Every, it, it, before email was the new thing and everybody was like, if you send an email, you were the new groundbreaking person. And then that became normalized. Mm-hmm. And then it's something else and it becomes normalized. So you have to be that person that's always looking for that. Well, what is, what is, what, what's nobody else doing? What else, how can I stand out from the crowd in some way? And sometimes it's going retro. Sometimes it's writing a handwritten card instead of sending an email. So sometimes you think technologically forward, other times you think technologically backwards, but it's somehow to be counterculture in a way and to stand out from the crowd. Yep. And focus, focus on the other people. When you're writing a thank you letter, it sounds obvious, but a lot of times you'll write a thank you and say, oh, also, you know, is there a chance you could do this or ask this? No, focus solely on that other person. When you get gifts, you know, when you give gifts, focus on that person. Can you give something that really matters to them, not just something that you think matters to you, like giving something with your brain. I think it's amazing how many sports teams and any sport team that's listening to this that they send out gifts and all it has is their stuff on it. It's their logo. It's their T-shirt. It's their calendar. It's whatever. That doesn't matter to people as much as it matters to you. What matters to them? What about their logo, their brand? Can you get that done on a T-shirt or that on something that matters? That's a different way of looking as well. So you could get me going on that for a while, Brian, but you were talking about standing out networking. What everyone else is doing, do the exact opposite. I mean, that's, that's the key. Yeah, so try to think of. I mean, your podcast is perfectly titled for that for business done differently. It's just, it is though. It's trying to try to think differently. So everybody always says, "How do I stand out from the huge stack of resumes?" And it's not to print your resume out on pink paper, you know, something like that. It's like you need to think. You need to think differently, but also still be think better too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think we've hammered that one pretty yes, well. We Let me ask you. I think this is a really good one, and this one is perfect for you. Um, are smaller organizations a better fit for learning the business? So I interpret that as you graduate from college, would you rather go work at ESPN or rather go work at the Savannah Bananas, which provides the best possible experience? And as a small business owner, I think you're the perfect person to answer that. I think in any interview process, the person who's being interviewed, the candidate, needs to ask more questions than actually the the company interviewing you. And what I mean by that is you need to understand everything about that company, who you're going to be working with, who you're going to be learning from, how much do they stress growth, you know, what are they doing to help you uh, learn and get better. And I, I find that mostly it's the other way around, you know, the, the company is doing the interviewing of the person and the other person is just trying to impress them. You need to find that right fit. When we interview someone and bring them in, we spend weeks and we ask them to meet with every single person on our staff and ask them as many questions that they can because we need to find if that's a good fit. So my question or answering the question on smaller organizations versus bigger organizations, to me, that's not the right question. The right question is, who are you directly working with? Who are you directly learning from? I've heard that most big organizations, you know, you just get put in a small department and you're just set to do certain tasks, certain jobs. You aren't actually learning from you know, the higher up people. You're just slowly paying your dues, which is okay, but if you look back at the end of the year and you didn't learn much, you just learned about little responsibilities, then I would argue that potentially a smaller organization is better if you are able to really learn the business and learn from the people that are making things happen. So that's a political answer, but I'd love to hear your input, Brian. 
Well, yeah, and I think this is great because you and I have a little bit different starting experiences. You were at 23 years old, you know, starting your path through minor league sports, you know, with the Gastonia Grizzlies and then eventually the Savannah Bananas, and both, actually. Um, for me, I graduated college and went right to the huge business of CNN Sports Illustrated, so two of the bigger names in the media yeah. world combined to form a network, and I was one of the first hires. Um, I look back at it and think it was the most incredible experience I had for a lot of reasons. Um, for me, uh, we had the cutting edge technology. We had the, I was learning the business the way that business was, it was, it was like a machine in some ways, and I actually mean that as a compliment. Um, people understood their roles, people knew where their career paths were, people were given opportunities to try and, and experiment and do different things. Um, I learned so much about uh, the business structure and how revenue was generated. I learned so much about um, uh, journalism and the right way to do things and vetting sources. And there were just so many things I learned how to do the right way that I was then able to take on to other uh, businesses that I went on to work for. I felt like I always had that, I had that really strong foundation. Now I will say though, I've told hundreds of people over the years that they should really consider working in minor league sports at a smaller business because you get exposed to sales and marketing and promotions and branding and you might pull the tarp one day and you might work with the mascot and you might work with fan relations and there's so many little intricacies of the business that you're going to learn being at a small operation that I think is hugely valuable. But I will say, just looking back from my own personal experience, having that big thing on my resume helped me with some gravitas and credibility as I progressed in my career, which was very, very helpful. So I can see the benefits of both. What I would say is if you want to, if you're specifically like, I want to work for a professional team, the only way to really get that experience is to work for a professional team. Yeah. So get into the minors, work with somebody like, like Jesse and learn how to do things completely differently and then uh, form your own point of view and get your hands on dirty on everything. I've talked to so many people that work in uh, the Major League Baseball now that started out working in double A and they might have been the broadcaster at night, the salesperson during the day, and then greeting people at the door as they walked in before the game. I'm like, they did everything. And that is so important to their growth to the next level. Yeah. And I think the big thing, and, you know, if you have this great resume that you worked for the biggest teams, that will definitely, I think, help open doors. But the question that I get often is, you know, hey, I want to go work in the NFL. I want to work in the NBA. I want to work for the Boston Red Sox. The first question I ask them is why? And... I get it, usually a series of answers in the sense of, oh, because, you know, the Red Sox have been my favorite team because, you know, I love the Red Sox and baseball and yeah. all that. And then I ask again, why? Why do you want to work for them? And I think what's happened is you think about this, the perception of these major league teams and these huge affiliates is like they're larger than life. Yeah. And I get it and I understand it. But you're not necessarily going to be in the clubhouse, in the dugout with the players, if that's what you really want to do. It's, it's a completely different job. And I think everyone needs to ask themselves, why do they want to work? Because I think most people, it comes down to purpose and the difference you're making in people's lives. And you could be working for the New York Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys, but the reality is you may be making a dramatically less difference working for them than you could for a much smaller organization. 
You know, I would add from my experience working in the sports media for most of my career, we always said the same thing about people who wanted to be on camera. So we'd say, I'd ask them when I was doing interviews, I'd say, do you like the idea of being a star or do you like the idea of being a storyteller? Yeah. And you'd learn a lot about somebody who, whether they wanted to have their picture on the billboard as they drove into town or if they wanted to get out there and find those stories that were worth uncovering and worth telling. And I always gravitated towards the journalists, those storytellers, because that's what we, that's what the, the viewers wanted. They didn't just want somebody who looked pretty or talked nice and loved their own smile. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's that, it's that, what do you really want out of this? And, and you're saying exactly the same thing is, what, do you love the idea of being at the ballpark and being involved in different, making a difference and putting a smile on kids' face when they come to the game, whether that's in the NBA development league or in minor league baseball or wherever it may be or do you like the idea of going somewhere and saying i work for the yankees because that yeah. sounds cool exactly like, what do you exactly or, yeah no i know i agree i agree completely i just think that's that's so important you got to think about is it just a pride thing or is it actually yeah. an impact thing and so you measure your pride versus your impact and at some point pride when you're young that matters more than anything but as you get older, you realize that pride only goes so far, impacts what really makes a difference. So, Without a doubt. Yeah, yep. so. We agree there for sure. All right. I want to go on this one. I'm going to, go with, I'm going to ask you first because I think I, you've worked with a lot of different people in interactions here. How do you overcome the obstacle of working for very little money to start out in sports? <laughs> yeah. So that's a real, that's a real thing. Uh, I will not deny it. Um, I, I, so I will tell a quick story that uh, I started out – right out of college and I had two basic job offers. And one was a uh, small TV station, which actually looking back, well, I'll get to that. Uh, one was a small TV station and one was CNN Sports Illustrated. Mm -hmm. And CNN Sports Illustrated offered me, offered me a lower salary than the already low small TV station. And I had to weigh those decisions. Do I go for the slightly more money or do I go for the huge brand that will be on my resume? And I decided to go for the small, the, the larger brand. Um, so I went to work for CNN Sports Illustrated right out of college. And as I've kind of said, I never looked back, but I struggled. I mean, it was a tough, I was living in a major city. I was living in Atlanta. Um, I was barely covering my bills when I first got started. I was making, I want to say nineteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a year. This was 1996. Um, it's, you know, it's different now, but it's not that much different. Uh, I know that I hired people when I was a news director and I was offering salaries that I felt like somewhat embarrassed by. And I'd be trying to sell them on the benefits of, I'll give you tickets to games and I'll be able to help you with health benefits and I was trying to sell them on the other things you know maybe we can get you a gym membership or something like that because I didn't have much salary to offer um, what I will say is that a lot of the money stuff can come in time that your first couple first job uh, probably won't be great you'll have other friends who will graduate and make more money um, I will say that there's a huge quality of life aspect that comes into play that I think is really important if you go to a job that you hate every day and you're an account, no, nothing against accountants, but if you're like an accountant living in a cube and you're you're frustrated and you're, or you're working in HR for some huge business and you don't love it and you're working long hours but you're making good money, I don't know that that works. I don't know that that's going to yeah. sustain you. Uh, I think what you need to do is go somewhere you're passionate about, 
whether that's sports or somewhere else, if you're passionate about it and you enjoy it, I look back at those early days when I was at CNN and I loved every minute of it. I was working in a sports newsroom with all these other like-minded people enjoying sports, talking trash, uh, cutting highlights, watching my product, what I did go on the air and go out to millions of people. Um, I had this huge sense of pride mm-hmm. and I loved every day of it, even though I wasn't making a ton of money. And then I was able to leverage that into higher paying jobs. Uh, I was a news director in Seattle. Um, I've had other good jobs that have, have paid me well. So the money will come, but the you can't always, you can't re- recreate passion. You can't just yeah. fake that. Mm-hmm. So if you're really into the sports industry, the money will come. It, it can come. It's just it might not start out that way. So you have to be really smart about your budgeting. You have to be personally responsible for your own uh, well-being and your own career. And you have to be really smart. You have to start out like knowing that your focus is on um, your your career and how to build that and how to make it to the next phase and manage yourself well. And then um, those things will come in time. I think my first raise was 17, 18 percent or something like that. So you started to go in in jumps uh, mm-hmm. and it started to, to get better over time. But I would also say, Jesse, in your world, I would think um, a lot of the smaller market teams are in less expensive places so that your money can go further. For me, I started out at a large network <laughs> and that put me in an expensive city. I mean, I went from Atlanta to Seattle to <laughs> Denver, all very expensive places, and that cuts into your, your earnings right away too. So some places, I think even if you make less, it can still go further, which is something to consider as well. And you made the great point. You said the money will come. Well, I'm going to say the money can only come if you provide true value. I think you know a lot of people jump in sports and they're like, well, I've been working here for three or four years. I should be paid a lot more. You know, again, look at the value that you are providing. I'll, I'll, right. give, I'll give a great example. When you talk about starting salaries, my wife Emily in minor league baseball uh, just – Eight years ago, uh, started at nineteen thousand um, dollars. Yep. So, and that was eight years ago. Myself, and I'll be transparent as, as general manager of the Gastonian Breezes, a GM position, and this was in two thousand eight. I was making twenty seven thousand dollars a year. But that first year, I made a deal with the owner. I said, "All right, if we turn it around and make this a huge success, I'd like to be involved, uh, you know, in, in the salary the next year." So, fortunately, that that first year. I worked my butt off, provided so much value, and doubled the total revenue, almost tripled the attendance that first year. And so afterwards, we talked, and I said, well, I think I can increase revenue by another $100,000. Here's what I think that a salary would be fair for that. And he said, of course. And since that point, I was able to dictate my own salary. And now, as I I mentioned on your work in sports podcast, our entire staff dictates their own salary now. And we hold them responsible to the value that they're going to provide. So... You ha- I think you have to start out. I think you have to understand that some teams don't understand the value that you're going to provide, but you got to come out and say, you know what, I'm going to go crazy providing value and work my butt off. And if you have to work another job, the reality is Emily, when she was making $19,000 a year, she couldn't live on that. So she was working at a restaurant part-time to find ways. Yeah. I mean, we've had staff members working at Uber. You know, But if you're willing to do that because you care so much about the job, that shows so much and you will be successful. It's the people that complain about, I'm making 25, 30, 35, I can't pay my bills. Well, you do something about it. And I'm very opinionated about that, but I think yeah. everyone talks about the money in sports. We're not making enough money. It's not, well, you know, if you're very good at what you do, the money will take care of itself. 
Well, and that's it. It's like you create leverage for yourself if you become invaluable. Like if they need you and you are that person that they can depend on and you are that person that is delivering every day and you have great ideas and you show up and you don't complain and you – we used to say in the media all the time that you get it. So like I, I remember a specific night where um, I had already worked a full shift and then our we had a our NFL show was in the, in the morning and I had already spent the entire day editing all of the content for that show and then our online editing system crashed and everything was lost. And my boss came down and she looked at me like, well, we need to start over. And I just looked at her and I said, yeah, we do, because we have a show in eight hours and even though it's overnight, it needs to get done. And I think I proved myself in that moment that I got it, I, you get it. Like it need, this needed to get done, I was somebody who could do it and I was gonna stay overnight and do it if it needed doing. Mm -hmm. And you establish your value by how hard you work and what you bring to the table and then you establish leverage and then you can start to say things like you did going back to your boss and saying, hey, if I can do X, you can do Y. Mm -hmm. And if you start to have those conversations with people and they start to look at you like, yeah, you've proven it. Mm -hmm. Because when you first start out, you're an unknown entity. Nobody knows what you actually will provide. I've had plenty of people who have hired who have great resumes, great credentials, and then they get in and they just don't, they don't deliver. Mm -hmm. And so if you get in and you deliver and then you become that person becomes trusted and needed and wanted, well then you can start to have more leverage in any kind of conversation. Mm -hmm. it, it's giving before asking. I think is, yeah. is you know, we have, when we hire, we just hired a director of events here and her interview, she, we had a huge concert with John Party, country concert for 4,000 people. She was there. She was working for the Washington Nationals. The game finished at 2 in the morning. She got on a plane the next morning, showed up at 9 o'clock, and worked all day until 1 a.m. She wasn't hired, but we wanted to see how she would do at that whole event, how she'd interact, how her energy was. And she worked that whole event, and she got a job. And my point yeah. is, it's, if you're trying to get an organization, you really want to work for whatever team that is, <laughs> show up and try to provide value. I mean, it's right. crazy as it sounds. Another great example is a guy who was in college with me, and he played baseball his whole life and his big baseball guy, but he was obsessed with football, especially college football. He read Urban Meyer's books, he read all Nick Saban's, he read everything he could about you know, coaching in college football. And he went to me and said, Jesse, you know, you're in sports, but what do you suggest? How can I get a job? I go, have you ever played football? He goes, no. I go, have you ever coached football? He goes, no. I go, what experience do you have in football? He goes, well, I've been reading a lot. I go, that's a good start. I go, you know how hard it is for you to get a job? He goes, hard. And I go, well, you gotta do something dramatically different. You got to, wherever you want to go coach, you just go and show up and say, I want to do it. I'll do anything. Don't ask for anything. So he started literally driving to all different programs around the country, would show up at the athletic department and say, hey, I'm willing to do whatever. And he ended up getting a job. He worked and he climbed his way up. It was at University of uh, Louisiana Lafayette as a, a college coach who never played and never coached. But he went out there and said, I will do anything. I'll provide value. You don't see that anymore. It's very rare. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and somebody is willing to put in that extra level of, of work. People notice that. I mean, you're, you're in hiring. I was in hiring for a long time. You do notice those intangible things about people. Um, people think that they're doing things and they're unnoticed. But I, I do think that um, you as, a, as a, somebody with instincts in hiring start to notice all those little details outside of what's the, the power verbs on your resume or the perfectly structured sentence. You know, you get somebody into your office and you start to talk to them. You start to, you start to see a little bit more about how they tick mm -hmm. and what's important to them and their attitude towards performance. And you start to see a difference than uh, – the person comes to life in it when they come off the paper a little bit. And yeah. it, I actually found, and when you and I interviewed uh, for the Work in Sports podcast, 
you talked about how you like to see somebody's future resume mm -hmm. and their uh, a video cover letter. Talk a little bit about that because that's something I had never heard before, but that seems kind of cutting edge if you ask me. The reality is I don't care too much about what you've done in the past. I care about what you want to do and what you're going to do in the future. So, you know, past experiences are important, but it, it's not a dictator necessarily of your uh, future success. So when we ask for a video cover letter, the first thing we want to see is we want to see the energy, the enthusiasm, the passion. We want to see how you come off the screen. And again, with us, it's a little different. We do year round movies and, you know, we have a full time videographer. So there's it goes twofold there. But the reality is you can see someone how they interact in a video. And do they have that energy level? Um, and I'm going to say that I'm going to stick on that for a second. Energy. You want one quick hack on how to excite someone about hiring you, show energy. I can't yeah. tell you how many videos that have zero energy. Here, this is the video cover letter you asked me to do. I went to school here, I worked for this. They've already lost the opportunity. Bring yep. energy, because that's what people, that's thrive. So you bring energy in the cover letter and then the future resume. Hey, I can see myself, I wanna see how, how big they think. Are they just planning to work for us for a year and then go to a major league team? You know, I'm not saying that's the worst thing, but what are they going to do in that year for us? You know, are, yep. do, do they want to take the organization to a whole other level? Do they want to, you know, run three or four teams for us? And as soon as I see that, you get to how they think, and it makes it very easy. So I would say 95% of people, as soon as we put out a job um, opportunity, we've, they're already gone. There's only a few percent that actually follows with the, the video cover letter and the future resume. And again, you've got to show that work and the effort before you get the job. It's not, we're going to hire you and then see if you're going to do the job. You got to hire slow. You got to hire slow, so you don't need to manage. I mean, you don't need to manage as much. I know there's a there's a quote there that's that's like hire <laughs> hire piece it together it? a little bit. Yeah. Hire, we hire. get it at that. Yeah, it's, it's um, something along those lines. But that's something no, that we work so for true. us. No, it's true. I mean, I, I think that that's a, a place where a lot of people make the mistake is that um, they forget that this is sports. It's like you're working in a game. You're working in entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like, bring your energy, show your passion, be excited. Like, if I interviewed um, Zach Hall, who works for the Arizona Diamondbacks, mm -hmm. and he basically said, every day I show up at the ballpark feels like I'm walking into like a Christmas party. Like, it just feels like this is it's this great cathedral of energy. Like, like this place that so much happens, and I get excited every single day. Yeah. And I and I feel like that's what everybody should embody if they want to work in the sports industry. You need to get excited about the opportunity to be in a press box at a live event or. At, near the locker room or walking into the arena or marketing or sending out the brand for a player mm -hmm. or working with an athlete. These are all like really exciting positions. <laughs> and if you can't get excited about these opportunities, then you're in the wrong field. Like don't even bother. Yeah, definitely. All right. I want to move with these last like two questions. I think were really yeah. good. Um, one's asked as an owner, but I want to, I want to gear it to your way. What you've seen it's what advice can you give around reaching out to smaller organizations regarding internships or employment? Yeah. So um, the the I I think that people tend to uh, what I see a lot of is people do this almost like shotgun technique of applying to jobs where they basically look at all these jobs and send out like a hundred different resumes and just like you get, take this approach where you just throw it all out there and see what happens. Like throw it all up against the wall and hope something sticks. I would much rather, and I give people this advice all the time, is to really hone in on those organizations or, their, or these job opportunities that have a really deep interest to you, something you will feel strong and passionate about and really learn that business 
try to make some personal contacts, see if there's anybody you know that works there through LinkedIn, see if there's anybody you went to college with or any professor or anybody that can give you somewhat of a, a connection to somebody um, at the organization. And then really get into knowing that organization so well that you can you can exhibit yourself that way in any kind of interview process or in your cover letter or in your, the way you structure any of your communication. You know, I talked to Colleen Scholes who is on our podcast, who is the um, talent acquisition manager for the Philadelphia Eagles. And she said, you know, I really, I, I love that um, so many people are interested in our jobs, but I want to hire somebody that's really passionate about the Philadelphia Eagles, that yes. they don't look at this just like a job, mm -hmm. that it's something that they're really strongly connected to and passionate about. Mm -hmm. So I don't think this approach of just throwing out your resume everywhere works all that well. I think most organizations kind of see through that. Um, but if you, if you really want to work for a particular place, I think you have to keep a broad focus still. You can't zero in too much because then you lower your opportunities. Mm -hmm. But if you start to really take a deep focus on certain places you want to work and be persistent mm -hmm. and stay on top of their opportunities and stay on top of getting to know people within that organization or find a way to, to show up and be at the front door a little bit, don't be annoying. Don't be over the top. Um, but, but still to be persistent and present with somewhere you feel passionate about rather than just going wherever the opportunity is, I think that can speak volumes and I think that can um, really show your intensity and desire to work for this organization, not just a organization. 100%. And I say this from a business standpoint, but if you want more attention from your customers, you need to pay more attention to your customers. And if you're trying to get a job in sports, you need to pay attention to that team and everything they're doing and actually you know, make reference to it when you're applying. I, I'll, yes. never, I'll never forget in 2009, uh, right after George uh, Bush, the former president, you know, he was, his presidency was over and we offered him an internship. And uh, we did this the last year with Obama as well. But we offered him an internship about how we would literally, we get him a host family, we pay him $1,000 for the summer, he'd work in the concession stand. And it was a ridiculous job offer and the media picked <laughs> up on it. And a week later, we get an, an, app, an application for an internship. And he referenced, the whole, he's like, now, I know I don't have the experience as the former president, George Bush, but I feel like I can do this. And he starts talking about the differences between him and Bush, but how he could still be a great fit. He was, he was hired from that letter immediately yeah. because he paid attention to us and what we're yeah. doing. And I think so many people do, uh, don't do that. And you mentioned briefly about you don't want to pest. Um, you know, you don't want to be too um, overly you know, persistent with the job and the communicating, because that was a question we got followed up. You know, is there any such thing as over communication to the person of contact? Um, that's a challenging question. You know, what, what are your thoughts? So, okay, I, I do have a kind of strong feeling about that. Um, one thing, and this is, again, speaking from personal experience and from a lot of people that I've talked to is um, don't call. And this is just my personal thing. If when I was news director at Fox Sports Northwest, when my phone rang, it was usually a reporter out in the field that had a question, or it was the uh, cameraman who couldn't show up to work, or it was a story that was breaking, a media contact that was trying to get in touch with me, a school contact, a team contact. You know, my my phone was like the bat phone. And when somebody called up, and and I was my my minutes by minutes were accounted for throughout the day. Like I had I had to stay organized because I managed so much that was going on. And um, so I was so dedicated to my own schedule that when somebody called that just wanted to chat and let me know that they applied for our job <laughs> opening, it would it would really frustrate me. It would break me out of my mold, and it would um, it would it would it was hard to see that person the same way. So my always emphasis was on what you said back before, which was 
if you show that you know my business through your cover letter or through your outward communication or through writing a card or by showing other methods of knowing my business so well, that's going to draw my attention. Mm -hmm. So if you emailed me and I can answer it on my own time and you said something in there that stood out, like how you can provide value to my organization, mm -hmm. or if you share some story about, like you said, with the um, knowing the president the application for the internship and how he compared to it, that's great. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you're gonna pique my interest and I'm probably going to respond to you. Mm -hmm. If you interrupt kind of my day and my flow a little bit, it's a little harder for me to get a, a good positive vibe because I'm gonna to try to get off the phone with you as quickly as possible because <laughs> I have stuff going on. Yeah, so, um, and that sounds snobbish, that sounds like I'm being elitist or like I don't have time for people. Yeah. It's just real life. Yes. I mean, we have, there's a lot of demands in the sports industry. There's a lot of things that you're you're stretched thin in. I don't always have that time. But if you send me an email or you send me a card, then I can digest it on my time when I have time. Yeah, and exactly. if it stands out and it's impactful and it, it says something that shows it isn't a form letter and you actually put some thought into it, I'm going to notice that. And then I'm going to open the door for communication you and said, we'll be able to go deeper. You said something, bro. You said on your own time. And I think that's so important because people want to buy. They don't want to be sold. And think about whenever you buy anything. Thing. And theoretically, if you are going to hire someone, you're buying someone into your organization. They don't yep. want to be constantly sold. They want to have the opportunity to buy. So from that sense, it's like if you are constantly pestering, they are obviously there's something about them they don't want to buy right now. They don't want you as part of that organization. But if you do things like you said, provide value. And, you know, I, 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 we said that over and over again. But the provide value, I think. That's something that if you want to get a job, just come back and provide value. And you won't need to over communicate because we'll see the value in what you're doing. You'll be helping an organization. So I think with over communication, I think you got to be persistent to, to an extent. And I said this on your podcast, you know, we had people that reached out, emailed, and we weren't just ready, but they kept us thinking about them. Um, right. That's really, really important. We had this, I mean, uh, special needs adult who works for us and every week he called and said he's so excited for the opportunity to work for us and you know we laughed we're like oh it's 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 reginald calling again but we never forgot about him and it showed how passionate he was about working for the team so there was a level of like wow this guy really really wants to work for us if you have someone that really 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 wants to work for you you should probably consider them because they're probably going to show you that every day they get that opportunity to work for you I had somebody one time message me, emailed me, and this was when I was at Fox Sports Northwest, and essentially they wrote in a critique of the entire half an hour show we had run the night before, <laughs> and it was it was timely. They sh they talked about how they'd order the story differently, how they might have written a script a little bit differently. I didn't agree with all their critiques, but I was like, man, this guy's got some balls, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. I was kind of I kind of intrigued by it, and, yeah. and I brought them in and had an interview with them and sat and talked, and it was it was a good conversation. But again, sometimes being able to do it, it wasn't a form letter it wasn't a I am very excited to for the potential for this job opening you know like it wasn't anything like that it was something different yeah. and it broke out of the mold a little bit and it, at least it woke me up you know I, I've said this a million times but when you're interviewing it can be one of the most painstaking I thought and I, and I know you have a different view because you're much more energetic and nice than I am um, but I always thought like after the first five interviews everybody starts to sound the same they all say the same cliche lines. They 
all read the same ebook on how to interview. <laughs> they all are feeding off of the same exact um, advice that they got from some online site. And everybody starts to sound the same. So as soon as somebody would come in and they'd sit down and we'd start talking and then they'd show like they'd be animated. They'd be talking with their hands. They'd be maybe they'd stand up and go to the board and write something down or dry diagram and editing workflow or do something out of the ordinary. I'd get excited because I'm like, finally, something different. Yes. You know, it wasn't exactly. just about I said these exact right words or I said, the, I, I don't care if you flub up, but if you show some excitement and show some passion, I'm much more, um, I, I can't take my eyes off of you. I'm much more interested in what you have to say. Yeah. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, just showing some passion goes a distance. Yeah. And this is a fit for sports or from a business standpoint, what makes you different? And, and I don't think people ask that question about themselves. They're like, oh, I want to work for this team or I want to work on this business. Look at what makes you different than everyone else. And if you can express that, show that, whether it's a video or a unique thank you letter or a unique gift, that's how you win. And I think people don't ask that. So uh, this is this has been this has been we've got really fired up, Brian. I really like where we've been going with this. Uh, can I share one? Can I share one quick story? Before yeah, you wrap of course. Up? So my boss, uh, Robert Oakley from Working Sports, who uh, is a good, good, good friend of mine, too, um, he he. It was funny after you and I did our podcast interview, he was convinced that you actually didn't exist, and I was talking to myself because <laughs> you and I sounded alike and had the same like level of intensity and passion and interest in what we were saying. He was like, "You just recorded yourself talking to yourself, didn't you?" So um, I had to prove to him that you existed, and now anybody listening at home is probably thinking like. Are we two crazy guys just like going on at the speed of light or are we actually two different people? <laughs> That's a great question. And remember, most people probably can't listen to this on speed one and a half just because we're too fast paced. But you might oh, yeah. want to slow it down a little bit. We blow out their speakers. Yeah. <laughs> I want to finish with this one question that I get asked. I've started getting asked a little bit more. And it was, are there or what area of improvement that you feel personal companies need more assistance? And then... Perhaps I could be a valuable candidate. And he went on to say, how could I provide value to your business? That was an interesting question for me because we talk about providing value. He said, how can I provide value to your business? I'm going to challenge whoever says that or whoever comes up with and the person who asked that question, don't ask the question, just do yeah. it. Yeah. Because as soon as you ask it, I don't know how you can provide value. I don't know your unique skills. I don't know your skill set. Everyone say, how can I help you? What can I do for you? You need to go and do research and look, hey, like you said, I saw your show. I think I can make it better. These are some tricks. And then you know what? Hey, I did this on my off time. I used some of your videos. I did some editing. I want to show you what I put together. Boom. Now you're potentially yep. providing value. So stop asking the question how you can provide value. Start providing value. It's so true. I get people requesting all the time. They're like, I'd like to be a guest writer on your site. What would you like me to write about? And I'm like, if I had the idea, I'd just write it myself. I don't know what your skills are. I don't know what you can write credibly about. I don't know where your expertise is. You need to step out and have the idea. You need to be the one pushing the envelope. I can't tell you how to do that. So yeah. I totally agree with you. Yeah. So that's something I think you know anyone hopefully can take out of this. We've, we've been repetitive on a lot, standing out, being different, looking at unique ways to uh, get in touch with companies. This works in sports. This works in business. But again, you know, stop talking about what you think you can do. Start showing you can do it and I think that's how you can uh, create unbelievable value for a business and really Brian have any job you want if you can do that
I agree. I totally agree. I think that's the message that people should take away from this is that you have more control than you think you do. If you are willing to stick out there, be excited, be passionate, uh, show some value, prove yourself. Like these are all very basic things that should apply to any field in any industry. And yet not enough people do it. Mm -hmm, 100%. And I'm going to give a shout out to you, Brian. I think what you are doing with your show is so about, it's all about serving others and helping others. And I think that's so important. You understand the root of what you're doing that the listeners, I mean, immediately started getting reached out for people. Hey, I really enjoyed the podcast. Well, you asked really great questions and you were actually to dive deep. So people found value in that. And again, I just, I think what you're doing and helping people is amazing. Hopefully we're doing that and getting people to see business differently because the reality is sports and business are the same. And I think people want to get to sports because it's exciting. Well, it's a business and you got to think about how to be different, unique and have fun. So thank you for what you're doing. I love the show. It's amazing. And I know it's gonna be a great collaboration. Jesse, I really appreciate it. This is a lot of fun to just be able to go back and forth like this and have passionate answers and, and good responses from each other. And I think that we've given people a lot of actionable advice. That's the thing I always look for. It's like, don't just talk at me. Give me something I can do. And so that's where the, my concept on, on our show, the Work in Sports podcast, and I know that's how you approach things, is we're trying to give you th- – things anybody listening really actionable things that you can actually take to take to the bank and work with awesome well thanks a lot brian thanks jesse today we learned even more about how to think differently sometimes in life professional is boring and weird wins so thanks for listening and remember the world needs more people being different so whatever's normal do the exact opposite be different stand out have fun and enjoy the show Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.